Hi there, and welcome back to Kelix Cafe. In our industry, we care about patients. Our goal is to bring new drugs to the market to support patients. But have you ever wondered what type of mental health support is provided to patients as they go through a clinical trial and as they're waiting for a scan result, for example? This is a topic that my next guest, Emily Epstein, is very passionate about, and I can't wait to talk about it. So I'll be with you in one sec. I just need to take those drinks to my customers. So today we're with Emily Epstein, who's a patient advocate. Hi, Emily. How are you today? Hi, good. How are you? Very well, thank you. Uh, I saw earlier that you have your Calix mug. What are you drinking? So I do not drink coffee, which is crazy. Uh, but in your honor and in the mug's honor, I made a caramel cappuccino in my super fancy Keurig that I rarely use. And it is delicious. Amazing. It's the first time someone makes a drink in my honor. It's uh, brilliant. Thank you. Um, so what has led you to being involved in the clinical trials industry, Emily? So you're looking at uh, an involvement that has really only been for the past couple of months. Uh, as a patient advocate, a future mental health provider, a patient myself, I've noticed that there is a lack of mental health support in hospital settings. And a number of my friends, my friend Denise Doria, who works at Concert AI, a friend of mine who works at Medable, they're all in the clinical trial industries. And as I talk to them about what I feel really passionate about, which is patient experience, especially mental health support, they've sort of showed me that there there doesn't tend to be a lot of it in clinical trials. So I went to DIA for the first time to sort of see what everything was about and realized that um, there's there's a place for me to be an advocate for patient support that goes just beyond what we think of as a good patient experience and more into uh, mental health support. So I'm sort of following this this journey uh, which has just started. So you're, it's, it's playing out in real time pretty much. And great to meet you on your journey so early. Um, so, I mean, I'm very interested in the uh, patient mental health uh, and patient support, uh, but you, you mentioned that you were a patient yourself. Do you want to tell us a bit more about that? Yes. So when I was... Uh, 37, I'm 40 now, I had uh, taken a 23andMe test as a, you know, just, just for fun, you know, you get it for the holidays, you don't expect to, to learn anything, I just wanted to see where I was from, my father was adopted, I wanted to see what my lineage was, and uh, I found out um, that I was a carrier of the BRCA mutation. Now, because my father was adopted, I have zero family knowledge uh, of my history. So I was thrown into this world having never broken a bone, only been stung by a bee maybe once, uh, 
I was thrown into this world of scans and surveillance and decisions on what I was going to do preventatively when I was looking at an 80% chance of breast cancer and a 60% chance of ovarian cancer. Comes with a bunch of other cancers. It's, it's super fun, melanoma, uh, peritoneal cancer, pancreatic cancer, you name it, they add more. As we know, everything's, everything's changing. Um, I'm kind of a, a human science experiment, if you will, sort of a, a bit of a Frankenstein's monster, but because I'm, I'm such a big science nerd, um, I, I actually really enjoy the science and the technology that goes into what, as I like to say, enabled me to save my own life. Um, so I've been, I've been a patient. I would, I, I would say that a, a genetic mutation is pretty much like walking around with a chronic illness. Um, it's something that never goes away. Every little thing, um, you know, basically I could stub my toe and I'm, I'm in the doctor's office, I'm getting scans for everything. And then I'm getting results back that they found something, you know, in my liver that may mean something. So it's, it's a really uh, crazy journey that is fraught with a lot of, a lot of anxiety as well. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, so, so you've been through all those scans, all those uh, procedures as a patient yourself. Is this what led you to um, consider like the, the mental support that you get? Yes, so I, I did a COVID pivot. Um, I was a performer for many, many years uh, on Broadway, off Broadway. And I come from a long line of psychiatrists and clinical social workers. I would say that's the family business. And during COVID, I decided that I wanted to pursue um, my uh, second dream, which was to basically be a, um, a therapist. And as I was figuring out what I wanted to um, specifically target, I thought about my own experience. I lost my father about 10 years ago to a very sudden, very acute onset uh, leukemia at 57. When I was 33, I had a placental abruption uh, when I was pregnant. Um, I, and then I, I was faced with BRCA. I live in New York City. I have access to the best hospitals. I go to probably one of the, the top hospitals in the country, if not the world. My team is phenomenal. Everything is amazing, looks amazing. And I was offered no mental health support. So you, you go in, you meet with a genetic counselor. They say, this is what you're looking at. These are your chances. These are your odds. Um, these are your decisions. And here is the most amazing breast surgeon. Here is the best plastic surgeon. Here's a gastroenterologist that a lot of people can't get into. I can get you in with them. A stack of papers. Never once did they say, and here's somebody, a therapist, a psychiatrist that is knowledgeable about what you are facing to help you make these decisions. Never once did, did anybody do that. And when my father was sick, same thing, nothing. There was, there was no support. When I was in the hospital, 33 weeks pregnant, I had had a, a bleed. There I am just 
sitting there isolated by myself and nobody was there to talk about what I was going through mentally. I sort of like to say that um, my my sutures are, are expertly um, closed. My I have no visible scars, but when they, you know, they can't do an MRI of my brain to see the constant anxiety that I face. Um, so on the outside, everything's great. Everybody did their job. On the inside, it's, it's kind of a mess. Yeah. Um, well, I like it's incredible to hear all you've been through, and actually, you've just made me realize myself that it is true that there is no one to actually be there and tell you what to expect when you're going through a procedure or um, like support you beyond what the doctors and the nurses do and it's incredible because they do an amazing job themselves uh, but even the best doctors or nurses only have this allocated time for you uh, as a patient and there is no one to then pick you up in a way uh, in between the, the, the procedures so so really actually um, impressed to hear that, that you're taking this journey into uh, looking into how we can support patients better uh, outside of the hospital in a way. It struck me how it relates to, to clinical trials um, is that there's such this incredible advancement of technology. The decentralized clinical trials, the bring your own devices, all of that is is incredible to enhance patient experience. A patient doesn't have to go, you know, they can do a hybrid, they don't have to go to a site necessarily, everything from home. Technology is wonderful. But on the flip side, technology gets rid of face-to-face -face support. And it makes things very quick for people. You think about a blood draw, and that's so that's so quick now. When it when it wasn't quick, your nurse would sit and talk to you, calm you down while you got your blood drawn. You could ask them questions. Now, with the advancement of technology, it's wonderful that they can, you know, take your blood in 30 seconds and then you're out and you just get everything on your electronic health record. But you don't get that face-to-face -face experience, that human experience, that, that empathy that you need to look in someone's eyes and say, you know, I'm a little bit scared. What, is this, what does this mean? Um, and I think that's what I'm, what I learned a lot at, at DIA and what I learned from my friend, um, my friend Joe Dustin, who works at Medible now, and my friend Denise, um, who's at Concert AI is, you know, it's go, 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 it's patients as, as data. But you think about a clinical trial, you think some of these people are facing end stage cancer. And this is with all the anxiety, with, with depression, with, with anything, or a chronic illness. Um, I like to think of it as there's sort of an intersection between mental health and a, and a chronic disease, that they, they go together. And I think that we've forgotten that a little bit um, in terms of, you know, it's money, it's time, it's getting things to, to approval, which is, which is wonderful. But then there's a bunch of us patients that are 
sitting here wondering what our test results mean, waiting for our test results, which is probably the most anxiety provoking thing that you can go through. Yeah, definitely. Um, you mentioned something like patients as data or yeah. And it's, it's something that it's an objective for a clinical trial, obviously, because we need data to prove that it's working to then be able to um, release drugs to the market. Um, and I, I fully agree with you that we need to, uh, in a way, rehumanize uh, the patient so that uh, we see beyond those data points and we actually see the, the people. Um, and it's interesting what you mentioned about decentralized trials as well, uh, because it's true that it's a benefit, but it can also bring less face-to-face -face time, which can be less of a benefit. Um, so I'm very conscious of, of time, uh, but I'd like, you, I'd like to ask you one last question, if you don't mind. Uh, so you're at the beginning of your journey. Um, where would you like to see uh, this uh, mental health support for patients go? And where do you see it in like five or ten years time? I just would like everybody to not only have access to mental support, but know that it's okay to, to need it. So if we are giving people devices to monitor their blood pressure, let's, you know, let's make sure that they have a, a number that they can call or someone is checking in on them. And it, it's, it's more about the access and it's also just about the feeling that people are taken care of. A lot of people don't think about their own mental health. And I've been very cognizant of mine, which has really gotten me through my, my health journey and my, my life journey. And I think that, you know, when we present, it just needs to be part of, of a standard of, of care. Even if it's not, you know, a mental health clinical trial, that it's something that people are checking in, monitoring, that it's, it's just, um, it's, I want people to know that it's that it's okay, that it's that it's normal. I think that um, if people have that kind of support and know that it's just a, a built-in, that the outcomes, the retention in clinical trials will be better. I've started to look at um, you know there are just a few um, articles I was reading and researching that that have been done on this that have that have shown the depression and the anxiety that that comes with facing a primary disease so really just you know technology yes but just letting people know that it's that it's something we all need and it's something that's that's there for you and um it's it should just be a part of life that's, that's how I feel about mental health. That's how I feel it should be in, in clinical trials, you know, just a, a given. Yeah, well, hearing you um, speak, I agree with you fully. Um, and I hadn't thought about it myself, but like what you said about retention, definitely I see it uh, being able to improve patient retention as well. Um, so, Emily, it's been 
very nice talking to you. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, very humbling actually talking to you. So uh, really love the journey you're, you're starting and I wish you all the best. And to everyone uh, watching us, uh, I think we need to, to watch this uh, closely because I, I feel like Emily is uh, going to uh, lead a change in the way we support patients in clinical trials. So thank you very much, Emily, and I uh, hope you have a nice rest of the day. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. Thank you for being part of my, my uh, entry and my journey into clinical trials so I can change the world. <laughs> very happy to. Bye.